Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Econ Americas podcast, where every month we share under the radar investment opportunities from countries across our big continent, up from North America down to South America in Patagonia. You can find us on all the major podcast platforms. If you haven't followed us there already, please go to YouTube, to Spotify, to SoundCloud, to Pocket Cast, you name it, we're on the major podcast platforms. And if you're new to this show, well, Econ Americas is a research firm that provides economic intelligence from uh, countries across the Americas. So you can check us at EconAmericas.com. I am Daniel Duarte, your host, hailing from Asunción, Paraguay. And today we have a guest from Ecuador. She is Gabriela Guerrero. She's an associate attorney with uh, Rualino Law Firm, where she works on renewable energy, hydrocarbons, and telecommunications. She's also an editor with Lexis Ecuador and collaborates with the, with the think tank Libre Razón since 2021 on training programs for aspiring politicians. Um, she has also served as an advisor to political parties in Ecuador and worked for the vice presidency of the Andean Parliament. In addition, Gabriela holds a master's degree in public policy, a bachelor's degree in criminal law, and another one in international relations. So she is the woman for the job we are going to discuss today, that is mining in Ecuador. Gabriela, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Daniel, and thank you to all the people that are listening to us today. And it's a very honor for me to be here. So yeah, let's talk about mining that is actually uh, growing here in Ecuador. Yeah, this has been a, uh, a topic that's been in the news lately. There have been developments not only in Ecuador, but in the region, uh, Peru notably. And the new administration of Guillermo Lasso, uh, he is a new president who took office in uh, May 2021, and he has been uh, putting forth some reforms on, on the mining sector. So why don't we start, Gabriela, by giving our uh, viewers and listeners who may not know about Ecuador, uh, what are the major um, minerals and projects currently uh, underway? Uh, maybe uh, who, are, who are the main actors in this industry? Are they foreign firms or is the uh, state-owned company leading projects? What is the, the story in Ecuador right now? Well, actually, right now we have a kind of mixture because we have a lot of hydrocarbons. So in one part, we have, for example, petroleum oil. And by the other hand, we have uh, mining that is actually growing a lot. I think that since uh, 2015, that is when the Ministry of uh, Mining was created because of the potential that it has here in Ecuador. So right now we have, for example, in mining projects as Mirador that produce Cooper. It's very a uh, huge uh, mining sector and also Fruta del Norte that produces gold. So those are like the most or the largest scale mines and production right now in Ecuador. And for example, these uh, 
November uh, 2021, we have also um, a set of, uh, they make something with different kind of uh, investors to bring new capitals here at Ecuador. So right now we're going to have uh, more production in this uh, mining industry. What we have to know is that Ecuador is very good at mining, especially in reserves of gold, uh, silver and copper. So the first thing I would like uh, our audience to know is that we have different type of minerals and we have to look forward for which ones we have uh, or we're going to explode. For example, we have metallics and non-metallics. And then we have to choose, for example, in the metallics, if we want to have this precious metallics minerals as gold, as silver, as platinum. We have other kinds as steel, for example, that we have cobalt, that we have nickel, or we have other types as a special like arsenic organism. So because we have a lot of minerals, uh, the kind of uh, treatment that they have to have, it's very, it's very different and it's very special. That's why we have a lot of regulations and it depends on the type of company that we have that they're going to be asked, for example, different type of licenses, uh, asked by the Ministry of Energy that right now is the entity that actually controls. It's not more the mining uh, ministry, it's the Ministry of Energy and non-renewable uh, resources, and as well as the mining regulation and control agency that is the one that's auditing that everything is all right in the mining sector. So for the just you to have like a map of what's going on in Ecuador. We have, for example, in um, in Babura, Pichincha, Cotopaxi, Bolivar, Azuay, and Loja, we have a lot of consensus that they actually produce this type of uh, minerals that I was talking about. And we have a lot of mining growing at the coast part of the country as well, in El Oro. And in the rainforest section, we have in Zamora, Chinchipe, and we have in Morona, Santiago, uh, projects as, for example, Warinza that have a lot of things coming up from there. So that is what I can tell you, like in a general way about uh, what's going on mining here. Sure. And I understand uh, there are joint ventures as well between the Ecuadorian government and private companies, right? Yes, it is like um, pyramid. So first you have this uh, national mining company that is called Enami. So it doesn't need like uh, any approval from the government to have a concession. That means that uh, Enami is the one that can choose whenever it uh, wants to work with or uh, the places that they want. After that, they ask for other type of uh, companies as mixture companies or uh, low economy companies where they can choose these concessions. And if not, then you you open up to other kind of companies that come in, uh, like foreign companies. So they can do this uh, work together. We call it APPs in Ecuador. That means Alianzas Publico Privada, Private and Public Alliances, to have this mining concessions. So what the state creates here is a set of rights and obligations that um, they confer uh, to that enterprise, uh, foreign enterprise or local enterprise. But they can also um, give this concession to a local person, to an individual. 
if also they have all the rights and all the um, all the permissions that entities as the ministry or the control agency give. But that is the that is the way it works here. So the first one that has right that would be the state. Yeah, and since Lasso took office, he has declared mining as a strategic sector for economic reactivation. In that, those are are his words. But what does this mean in practice for the industry? So what we're trying to do here is, uh, as I see, like the uh, greatest objective that the state has with this strategic sector is, for example, increase the productivity that we own, because we have seen that we are full of of these hydrocarbons that could help the economy to get uh, reactivated. And that would also give uh, those places uh, the opportunity to develop their cities because what they are trying to do is to make a set of inclusion of the actors that not only work in the mining sector but also that live in those in those places that sometimes it's hard for the government to make projects so the thing is working with the people and giving the education to the people so they can develop their own sector and as well as the uh, mining industry, for example, in the country. So uh, here, I think that where they are looking forward is to raise the level of modernization of development and technology, giving also better laws to create, for example, the taxes that are better for people that want to invest or enterprises that want to invest uh, here in Ecuador. So that's the first thing that I think that they have to change and as well work together with the part of environmental impact. That is another thing that right now we have seen is is very dangerous. So that is how it's working right now. Yeah, he has talked a lot and emphasized the need for responsible mining in Ecuador. And what is he exactly alluding to? Has there been uh, a past in a, a project in the past that had some problems or social or environmental problems what is he talking about well right now i think that the 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 problem here in ecuador is the illegal mining because i was telling you it is uh it's so hard the, the part of mining because you need so many regulations because of the impacts that are going to produce illegal mining you are going to have a lot of problems in the way that you're not going to you're not going to follow the steps that you should uh, before making that exploitation. That means just for you, like, you know, uh, the phases of mining, it begins with a prospecting phase. And that means that you're going to make first like a research to see if you have something there, if there is a mineral uh, in that area that you can actually sell later. A deposit, right? Yeah, that prospecting uh, phase, you don't need like a permission from the government. Any of us, if we have, I don't know, an area that you will want to see if there is something, you can do it in your home. You don't need uh, a permission. But then if you found something, you enter to a second phase that is called the, the exploration phase. And then that part, you are going to determine, for example, the size, the shape of the area. You're going to see if the deposit, for example, have uh, any content or quality of the mining of the mineral and then you have to do some uh, research as a uh, geological mapping as a geochemical sampling to see if you're going to have some sediments that are going to affect the soil you're going to have a soil uh, sampling and soundings to see the the floor 
what is not happening, for example, in the illegal mining, and then you have problems, uh, Samora, and then you're going to see um, that, I don't know, buildings are falling because you have tunnels in the end of the house and and then you're going to find that kind of problems and finally you're going to have an exploration phase when you can make the operations but if you haven't made the prospectation and the exploration phase you are not going to have all the informs or all the permissions that you need to continue to this last phase and and then you can prepare your deposit for the extraction for example and, and then you go on with uh, with the marketing. And, but those are like the most important phases. So what I see right now and the government is talking about is the illegal mining is not taking account those phases or not having maybe experts on, on, on those phases. And um, then you have a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And what can you tell us about the reform that the government uh, introduced? I think it was last year. And the mining, local mining industry was, uh, at least from news reports, was happy about those changes. What can you tell us about how it was done before and what changes now? Well, right now, I think that it's better that we have firstly just one ministry that uh, controls everything about hydrocarbons and uh, non-renewable uh, resources, natural resources, because then you're going to have specialized agencies that are going to see that you are doing well your work. Before, you don't have, you weren't so strict in the phases that I was talking about before. So that could not give you like a mapping that you're doing uh a work that actually allows the people to be, for example, calm um, with the environmental impacts or with the social impacts. Right now, you have, for example, a set of social work so you can work with the communities as well. And that makes, as I told you before, uh, that produces a development in the community that you are um, making your exploration or whatever. So as well, the 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 part of the investment, I think, is the most important thing here because that is the only way that I think that we can have the enough money to make this programs because it's an invest it's an invention that you're going to need, you know, you can do it by your own. You're going to need help from the company that comes from the from other countries that has more experience as well that is more developed. Right now, what I can say is that mining in Ecuador is not so developed. We are in a very young level to set it. So even if it's an economy uh, activity that takes you know, a lot of advantage here, right now, we're just growing in that. I, I just want to uh, end up saying that I think that what we have now is maybe to find out ways of regulating this uh, illegal mining that I think is one of the biggest problems uh, here in Ecuador. And it goes also linked with what is going uh, on with the environmental impacts. This illegal mining is also been one of the greatest problems in environmental impact. And if we don't change that, I think that no matter how many laws we're producing right now, is not going to be enough to stop that. Exactly. I was just going to mention that 40% is the uh, projected growth of mineral exports for Ecuador in 2022 with respect to last year. 
So that's a huge potential for, for growth. And like you said, productivity seems to be the main uh, focus you know, of this effort, private and public. So um, we have produced a backgrounder on Ecuador's 50 uh, public-private partnership projects that uh, our colleague Paz Gomez um, wrote. So if any people in the audience want to check that out, you can go to econamericas.com and there you'll see there are many mining projects in many different minerals, gold, copper, zinc. And uh, regarding this, how safe is it for investors to do mining in Ecuador uh, today? The, the government is, is telling the world, come and invest uh, in Ecuador. What is the legal framework for investing? Well, all the reforms that we we saw, the legal reforms, right now we're trying to have contracts of investment that are or that give the investor uh, more security. That means that, for example, um, the terms and conditions on your contract are not going to change for the time that you have the concession. That means, for example, that uh, a concession that lasts uh, 25 years, you are not going to to have changes in that in terms of taxes or in terms of uh, the area that was given to you or the licenses or the rest of permissions. So that is going to give also the investor a little bit more of security to, to take the, the, the money, the capital and, and bring it to Ecuador. Um, I think that right now the mining sector represents almost 5.68% of our GDP. So it's actually uh, a number that's growing, an important number that is growing, uh, considering that for, uh, petroleum is around the 32%. So if we can um, maintain those conditions that we are we're working with the government, with the laws that have been given, for example, in the um, Ley de Desarrollo post-COVID, that is the, the new law that actually changes different uh, sectors of hydrocarbons and, and inventions and, and etc. Uh, that is what, what it's trying to do is given this um, juridical security for the investor. Yeah, now that you mentioned uh, legal certainty, like one month after uh, Lasso uh, announced these projects, uh, these foreign capital projects, uh, the Constitutional Court if I'm correct, uh, rule against a permit for one mining project. And what are the implications of that ruling? Does that stop or alter in any way the, the path for the mining industry? I would like to say I have a concrete um, answer for this question, but it's something that we're actually analyzing uh, right now because firstly, it's kind of brand new, right? And then we're not sure yet for an instance, uh, court is trying to, I won't say like given up provision to, to do mining, but uh, putting a lot of signals of um, way of stopping uh, the development of mining because of all the implications that, that we have. As I said, more than the mining as it is, is the illegal mining the real problem. For another hand also, I think that that could affect in the future other invest if we don't find clear analysis from the court because we have I think that that is like half half some of the judges are in favor of others um, have their doubts 
But at the same time, we, we have to consider that Ecuador is not ready for a transition to other kind of market economies. I mean, like energy, uh, renewable energy or something like that. We, we haven't set yet uh, the basis for that. So I think that it's going to be a problem. Just one uh, clarification. What was the main argument uh, of the court for suspending the, the permit or the license? What was the main uh, issue? Principally, we're going to find there a set of, of permissions. We cannot have, for example, concessions that are on the borders in the areas that are, for example, near Colombia or near Peru. Near the borders. Yeah, on the borders, because we have national security things over there. On one hand, on the other hand, uh, these environmental problems I was talking about, uh, because of all the implications with the rivers, with the oceans, with all the risks that have found out with that. So I think it principally goes over there. And I think it's also the government and the industry, like, sit down in the same place and maybe find out a way of having their interests very clear. Because right now, I think that everyone has like a lack of information first. And in the second hand, they don't really understand the how the development of the industry goes. And in the third place, if you don't know uh, how this makes your economy grow, maybe just putting some imposing uh, like laws or or a set of things that not uh, that don't produce and invest in this area is going to be hard. I think is that the law is not conceived for thinking about a develop in a good way, in a way that we can understand what the sector means. So maybe if we can work a little bit more with all the communities that are involved, because I know they are affected. I know that, um, I don't know, illegal mining affect those communities. Maybe we can have another solution that won't affect this area, this hydrocarbons area, because Ecuador is not ready to stop mining. If we do that, our economy is going to be great affected, because even if we don't like it, we depend on that. Right now, we depend on that. Yeah, there has to be a middle way. And one of the arguments I read on news reports about the ruling was that um, projects had to have the prior consultation of the communities involved, especially indigenous communities. And what is the situation in Ecuador with those uh, communities? Because if I am not mistaken, some of them are tied to political parties or have their own parties with representation in Congress. And what is the this uh, political component added to the mining sector that maybe is not uh, present in other countries? Um, what is present here is actually that you have to make this, you have to talk with the community before. So they have to agree because of our constitution. Uh, we have to think about that. Uh, we don't own the lands, as, as we said, because they have, uh, these ancient uh, right to own the land. So we are actually asking them uh, to let us use that land to uh, make the exploitations or explorations or whatever. So if you are going to find communities affected as endemic communities, for example, you have to uh, work with them in a way that first you're going not you're not going to affect their way of living or their their food 
or their, they, whatever they need to survive. So that means that you are going to have a plan to reorganize those communities somewhere else near because you cannot change your way of living. And you are going to make the minimum impact so you can, for example, have your, your highways or whatever you need to, to get to the concession. Here, not only mining, but as well as in, in petroleum oil, for example. Right, other projects. Yes. So I think it's interesting because at the same time, you have this social responsibility that you cannot uh, do whatever you want in the concession and, and that you have to respect the, the environment and to give them all the, all the possibilities to try to have normal life with the works that you're doing. I think this is the hard part because I know it's something beneficial for the uh, for the country to have this, uh, these incomes, but at the same time, you are changing lives, uh, changing the status of, of an endemic community, and that is hard. So then you have to put in a balance and see in the best way what you can do so you can protect both rights. So that's hard, that it's something that uh, government have to keep on uh, working in, that it exists. And now to wrap up this uh, conversation, what do you think Ecuador should do to improve the business environment and attract more foreign capital, be it for mining for, and, and for other industries, hydrocarbons, you name it? Okay, so right now what we have to know is that even if we don't like what I'm going to say, uh, we only have 20 more years to explode this kind of hydrocarbons, mining or, or petroleum or whatever. Why? Because in 20 years, we are going to, that, that is going to be useful. That's why I think that right now the government is trying to see uh, or to expand the way of getting investment so they can make the, the exploitation and this kind of, of sector. So what I think that we should do right now is if we are trying to get them best to explode, we have to get a plan to make a transition to these uh, renewable energies, for example. Ecuador is full of elements that can allow us to, for example, uh, I don't know, make um, sand energy or wind energy. So we have a lot of resources, of natural resources to make that. And I see that right now we have new clients on that area. It is growing right now. And we have a lot of companies that are coming, that are coming for example, from, from Holland. But I think that as, as we are trying to explode those, those uh, areas of hydrocarbons, we need a plan for a long-term plan that is going to be or that should be respected by the new governments that are upcoming. Because if right now we leave it in, in four-year um, government and then it comes somebody else with a new idea and, and is not going to follow up this, this trace and, and keep on producing this plan to, to make this transition, uh, then it's, it's worth it. It's not going to be ready for the time that we need it. Right now, we're going to have money, but in 20 years, we're not. So, yeah, my, my question here is, are we doing this? I don't think so. We have some plans, but I don't see uh, a certain plan that we can follow up. And before we leave us, we leave you, Gabriela, why don't you tell us about your project called uh, La Politeca, which I found very interesting because 
you're trying to improve uh, the can I say the quality of of those who reach uh, government posts and and jobs? So I'll leave you to to explain it. What what is the problem you are trying to address? Thank you, Daniel. Yes, my project is called La Politeca, and it actually creates cultural uh, policy for all the people that not only. Uh, politicians that normal people for citizens because right now I think that politics is a hard topic to talk about we hate it we actually believe that politics is a synonym of corruption and it is not so what I'm trying to explain in my in my networks and social media I, I work a lot with Instagram and Facebook I'm trying to give information in a easy way to understand uh, of hard uh, problems, for example, or topics or definitions that we can understand and maybe be citizens with more knowledge about our environment, of our uh, country, of our world, because I talk about also about international politics, for example, or economy or law or whatever. But I'm trying to make uh, people think out of the box. And if we have elections, then choose better candidates or choose better uh, people that is going to represent us in the government. And I think it's it's a great uh, way also to to listen to people questions that sometimes you say like, hey, I, I really don't know even what's the difference between right and left, if, if something is, is good or the other one is bad, or, or why do we have to vote? <laughs> I mean, why? So... That is what I'm trying to do. It's one of my passions, and I hope that it lasts for a long term. Excellent. And folks, if you want to check out uh, Gabriela's project, we'll leave all the links in the show notes. So make sure to go to econamericas.com slash podcast, and there you'll find the show notes for this episode and also links for Gabriela's social media accounts where you can follow her work. And please leave us your comments, your suggestions, who should we interview next and on what topics, which countries, what industries, we are all ears. So thank you once again for joining us this month and we'll catch you up uh, next month. Thank you, Gabriela. Thank you.